When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we're going to talk about the five money habits of the happiest retirees. And of course, this is part of a two-part series where we're going to talk really 10 because we're also adding in five life habits. We might actually get to 11, so we'll really end up with 11. But this is a two-part series here. Of course, I've been studying the habits of happy versus unhappy retirees for over a decade. Some of them fall into the financial category. Many of them do. And then some fall into the family lifestyle consumer behavior, areas of core pursuits, let's call those life habits. And they're equally important. We want to have at least one part financial, one part life habits when it comes to this recipe for happy retirees. Today, we're going to get to the first five, which are all financial habits. In our next iteration, our next episode, we'll move exclusively to the five life habits of the happy retiree. Again, even the life habits have some sort of financial component. But today we're doing five that are exclusively around savings, income, mortgages, how we invest, and then of course, how we spend. So coming up, the five money habits of the happiest retiree, the first in a two-part series to be followed up by five life habits of the happy retirees, all starting here today. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. I spent a lot of the last decade doing research around the financial and lifestyle habits of retirees. And that research has helped me categorize this giant group, 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day, 3.6 million per year, tens of millions of baby boomers now retired. And some younger generations like Gen Xers that are figuring out a way to retire sooner I figured a way to categorize them in the happy and unhappy group. Now, maybe you can say, Wes, that's a little overly superficial. And I've had a lot of introspection here on this show just by the the level of world-renowned guests on the topic of happiness, the topic of contentment, the topic of purpose, all of these that are maybe even deeper than I ever even thought of a decade ago when I started my quote, happiness research. So now happiness is really this really broad term of all the life habits that give you this wonderful peace of mind, a sense of calm, a sense of excitement about the future. And it comes down to some fundamental practices or habits that we all have to do in our life. So whether the the overarching moniker is happy retirement or just extraordinary peace of mind when we get to retirement in a place of peace, contentment, and purpose, 
the research, regardless of how we title it, is very important. And I've done multiple articles and multiple books now on this. And I have 30 habits in my last book, which is what the happiest retirees know. It was 10 categorical habits and 30, 10, 10 categories worth of habits and then 30 total habits. And when it comes to, let's call it my day job, which is uh, the, I'm the chief investment strategist for an investment firm in Atlanta. And I have personally sat down with many, many people over the last 20, almost 25 or more than 25 years at this point and help them do their retirement planning. And there's some nuts and bolts to that. There's investment planning, there's financial planning, there's running cash flow analysis, there's looking at tax projections, looking at gifting strategies, estate planning, insurance. There's a lot, there's so much to it. But then there are these overarching, what I call almost financial and life tiebreakers that are more habit-based. And that is where so much of my interest has lied because this is beyond the nuts and bolts of financial planning 101 that really everybody has to do. And of course that we do, and we've done for many, many years. And we have a whole team of advisors and financial planners and investment folks that do that at Capital Investment Advisors. But what I, what I think takes all of that planning to another level, to a higher level, and maybe to a more human level, is understanding the financial and life habits in the context of their propensity to lead towards being a happy retiree and avoiding the unhappy retiree camp. So some of the, what I want to do today, so what I'm going to do today are five money habits and five life habits of the happiest retiree. So it's really a list of 10, but instead of doing just a 10 list like everybody does, I thought five and five would be better because five are fundamentally financial. Five are fundamentally life-oriented, but they're all lead us to, if we're to look at that balancing scale, we want more chips on the habits that are on the happy side so that we tip to the happy side of the equation. We can't do all of these and, and no one has 30 for 30 when it comes to perfect financial habits in the happy camp. We just want more of the happy habits than, than not. And that I think, and today I combed through my own list of 30 and said, well, if I had to pick only 10 and then categorize these in a very simple way, five financial, five life, what would they be? So I combed through my own research over the years and came up with that list. So technically, because there's a bonus one in here, and I'm going to blame it on the podcast and what I've learned from some of our guests on the Retire Sooner podcast, but I'm going to start with the five financial and then go to the five life and wrap all of this up into a short list of just absolutely critical things that we always want to be thinking about when we're doing our financial planning. Money in life, money in life, all those habits. Always want these in our mind so they can help inform all of the smaller life decisions that we make on a daily, hourly, almost minute by minute basis. If we have the goal in mind, if we know the fundamental practices, the, the fundamental habits of the happy retirees, then they can then translate back to all the smaller decisions that we make on a daily basis that can lead us to this promised land, if you will, to be in the happy retiree camp. So let's start there. We'll start first with five money habits. And I'll go through all of them very quickly and then get in depth with each one. Number one, ATROBs, happy, remember ATROBs are happy retiree on block, happiest retiree on the block. The long lost title of both of my last two books that never made it 
to press, but at least inside the book, those were the titles I wanted, but at least it made it inside the book as HROBs and UROBs, unhappiest retirees, happiest retirees. So HROBs have a minimum of 500,000, and that is a median number. We'll get back to that. Number two, multiple streams of income. Number three, mortgage payoff within sight. Number four, they are tomorrow investors. Number five, when it comes to spending, they have the 4% plus roll down pat. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's start with number one. First of all, in the world that we live in today with inflation through the roof, $500,000 might not sound like a lot. But it's still a critical inflection point to get to. We're not saying this is, I'm not saying this is the end all be all, this solves all your retirement problems. But I am saying it's a minimum checkpoint that we have to get to if we want to land in that happy camp. By the way, the average happy retiree has closer to 900000 so almost a million dollars in liquid savings. So the average is almost a million. The 500000 comes from the median number. And if you look at statistically, if you parse numbers, whether you look at median versus mean, remember median is if you were to line up the entire sample set or population and pick the middle point. So it's, it's very different than, or can be very different than the mean or the average. Of course, a couple of super high net worth folks can skew the average higher. So sometimes taking the mean, which is, hey, in the middle of this population of the happy group, this is an important number to also pay attention to. So the mean is this $500,000. I would say that happy retirees average almost 900000 We'll call it today, we'll call that in today's hyperinflationary world, close to a million dollars. And more here is fine. It's okay if it's beyond that. What we do find is that there's a real plateauing effect when it comes to money saved. At a certain point, more dollars saved, more liquid. And again, it's important here to say these are liquid retirement dollars. This is not just net worth. Very simply, you could have a million dollar house, totally paid for, zero dollars in the bank, and you're not. And retirement's going to be very uncertain because you won't have cash flow. And that is the difference between net worth and liquid net worth. So that it's very important that this is a liquid amount of money, money you can get to. But also, which leads us to number two, these liquid assets in their own right can produce an income stream. Before we get to number two, which is multiple streams of income, think about even $500,000, even in today's very expensive, hyper expensive world, $500,000, if you're using the 4% plus rule or 4.5%, is $22,500 a year. Divide that by 12, we're talking about almost $2,000 a month. So although $500,000 might not sound like a lot of money, if you translate that back into what kind of income could you take from that? What kind of amount could you actually spend every month from that? What could it generate if you're thinking of money less of a reservoir and more of a river? Well, $500,000 has some real staying power, can really start to produce some income. And then you start adding that to some of these other income sources. That's why even in today's hyperinflated world and everything's so expensive, this $500,000 at least has some merit. Now, I've gotten pushback. I've heard as recently as this year 
that $500,000 is still way too out of reach for the average American. How can you say you need that to be a happy retiree? I get it. It's a big number to save over time. I've also got it from the other side, for better or for worse, that $500,000 isn't nearly enough in the world, the economy, the expensive world that we live in. And I get that argument as well. What I'm saying here is that it's an important inflection point or checkpoint that we have to get to at least at a bare minimum. Now, let's go into number two, multiple streams of income. We already talked about how that $500,000 or more can create a monthly flow of income. But statistically, HROBs have or average three to four different income streams. And here the key is different. UROBs are in the two to three income stream range. So think of it this way is that would you rather have one check coming every month for $10,000 in retirement or 10 $1,000 checks that arrive in the mailbox? Now, we all know that checks still don't really often come in the mail. Once in a while, I'll get a check in the mail, which is a refund or an overpayment. Someone who's really not in a rush to get money back to me, they'll send it through the mail. But if you think of walking to the mailbox to get a monthly check, there's some anticipation here when it comes to this thought process. And that's why I still say, if you're walking to your mailbox and that's how you receive your income, would you rather one $10,000 check or 10 $1,000 checks in any given month. And if you think about it, but just for a second, the answer should be, I'd rather 10 $1,000 checks. Because think of the heightened anticipation of, wait, what if it gets lost in the mail? What if something happens to that one, albeit large income source? What happens if it goes away? But instead, if I get 10 $1,000 checks, if something happens to one of them, if one of them gets, quote, lost in the mail, I still get $9,000 for the month. And that's the key here is that multiple streams of income give us this diversification of how I'm getting paid, which can lead to an overall sense of comfort and stability, knowing that I have diversification when it comes to where I'm getting my income. We think of diversification really from an investment standpoint. I should have stocks and bonds and alternative assets and real estate. There's not a whole lot of talk around diversifications when it comes to diversification, when it comes to streams of income. And that's why, particularly for our audience, the retire sooner audience, in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, you have a lot of time to come up with what those streams of income will be. It might be a rental property. It might be three rental properties. It might be some sort of royalty income. You may end up doing some sort of project that could pay you for many, many years to come. It might be some sort of passive business activity that might take you five to 10 years today, but then can pay you with virtually no physical work 10 or 15 years down the line. Those residual income sources take a lot of time to cultivate, but they can be so powerful when it comes to your steady paycheck and retirement. That's why we want to start them today. If you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you still have plenty of time to come up with whatever those income streams you would like to be way out into the future and start cultivating them today. You can't just turn on some brand new stream of business income that's passive when you're 65. It's got to start when you're in your 40s or 50s in order to be a real spigot of income when you are in retirement. Of course, the lower hanging fruit here, social security. And if you're in your 30s today listening, you think, well, what's social security? Will it even be there when I get to retirement? And the answer is it will be. 
It may be slightly less than the published numbers today, but Social Security is really a transfer system, meaning that money comes out of people's paychecks every single day. It goes into the Social Security system. And even though today there's still a big reserve and it's dwindling, even with no money in reserve, FICA, which is the Social Security tax, will still be coming out of people's paychecks when you are now 60, which will then be going back into the Social Security system, transferring payments from one party to another. So the thought of not having Social Security, that's just not accurate. Even the worst case scenario projections that Social Security will remain at 75% of where it is today, 20 or 30 years from now. It's not a small number. You and a spouse, you're talking about $2,000 per individual per month. You're talking about $4,000 a month. That's not insignificant. Now, that's a little more than the national average. But if you've worked and paid into the Social Security system for many years, it's not uncommon to see three $3,500 a month per individual. So Social Security is a very real income stream, even for higher net worth individuals. And then, of course, a pension. Having a pension is almost something you need to plan for as well. Pensions don't just happen. They take a long time to be cultivated, and you almost have to want to have a pension in the future, meaning that you're not going to find a new job at age 60 and all of a sudden have a pension at age 65. You've got to make a decision pretty early in your career, in your 20s, in your 30s, or in your 40s, to go end up working for a company or, in a lot of cases, a state organization, a municipality, teaching, for example, that has a pension system. Pension as in they will pay you in retirement every single month for the rest of your life. That takes some planning. That doesn't just happen. You have to want to accrue a pension. It's a financial decision that people have to make because it has a huge impact on your income streams in retirement. Number three, mortgage payoff is within sight. Very simply, retirees with a paid off mortgage or with, a, with mortgage payoff within sight, so within five years, either paid off or going to be paid off within five years, are four times more likely to end up in the happy camp. It's a powerful financial outcome that then leads towards this sense of contentment and comfort, which of course leads us to more peace of mind and ultimately leads to more financial comfort and more happiness of retirement. Now, there's no real magic in this, except for there is maybe a little bit. First of all, how do you pay a mortgage off? Well, first of all, this is the answer is not to sit back and just pay on schedule for a 30-year mortgage where you end up paying more in interest than you do in principle if you were to really follow a full 30-year schedule, depending on the interest rate. So as you get closer to retirement, you're, you're wanting to eye on paying the mortgage down, getting rid of that full mortgage payment. There's something very powerful to get rid of that monthly check that goes to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, one of the big banks month after month after month. So as you start approaching retirement and you've built up savings over many years and your mortgage balances have started to come down over many years, there becomes this inflection point is, well, if I can just pay it off, should I do so in one big chunk? Or should I leave it and leave more money invested if my mortgage rate is really low and I'm making more money in the market? And that all makes logical, it's all, that all makes sense logically and mathematically because we should make eight to 10% over time in markets if we're equity or stock investors. And if our mortgage rate's two and a half, why would we ever pay it off? Well, the reality here is that most investors don't make 
eight to ten percent consistently on average over time because of the emotional roller coaster that is investing. So to be able to almost guarantee yourself a rate of return by paying off a mortgage or not having to pay the interest, that's the guarantee part. Even if it's a savings of two and a half or three and a half or four percent on a mortgage, it's still a very powerful financial move. So the rule of thumb we use to eliminate a mortgage in one big chunk is the one-third rule, meaning that if you can pay off a mortgage by using one-third or less of your after-tax savings, again, non-retirement money, not IRA, non-401k, non-457, non-403b, but after-tax investment money, and this could be cash or investments, if you can use a third of it or less and get rid of the mortgage, then I typically say it's a good idea. So a simple example, you owe $50,000 on a mortgage. You have $200,000 saved in after-tax money. Well, you could take 50 from that 200 and it's only 25%. You still have 75% of your liquid after-tax savings left. And now the mortgage is paid off. That to me is a formula called the one-third rule that can help you figure out when it's time to write that final check. Now, here's where there's perhaps a little bit of magic. And I think that so much of financial planning, investment planning, savings, and investing over time is being methodical. And part of that is being automatic. One of the best financial books ever written, The Automatic Millionaire, and it's a very simple premise, is that in order to really accumulate a great deal of savings over time, at a really young age, put your savings on autopilot. Put 5, 10, 15% in a 401k and just do it automatically so you never even get used to receiving that money. You pay yourself. It goes right into a 401k plan first. Anything we can do automatically has this great methodical power, like the methodical drip of water that may not be a big deal initially, but can create a tsunami of wealth over time. So can paying off extra towards your principal on a mortgage payment every single month, just automatically. And mathematically, if you're paying about 20% above what your mortgage payment is, it should shave approximately, depending on the interest rate, and you have to run this math in an early mortgage payoff calculator, could shave up to 10 years off a 30-year mortgage. One of the examples I've used and written about is a $1,300 a month mortgage payment, I'm rounding here, adding 300 bucks extra per month, takes a 30-year mortgage, if you're looking at a 5% interest rate, a 30-year mortgage down to 21 years, just for that $300 a month extra principal payment. And if you do it automatically, you'd wake up in 20 years and look at the mortgage balance and it'd be almost paid off. So there's something very powerful about the automatic pay down or of extra monthly principal. And again, mortgage payoff within sight or fully paid off, a very powerful tool in the Happy Retiree Toolkit. Number four, happy retirees are tomorrow investors. And there's a lot of different examples around how this group invests. But first of all, they have to be investors to begin with, not savers, but investors, meaning that you've got to have some sort of rational optimism of the future. I call this tomorrow investing, meaning that multiple choice quiz, the answer to this question tomorrow is going to be A, good, B, great, or C, 
Well, the answer is all of the above. And you have to be able to pick C. If we live in the United States of America, we're investing in America. We've got to be able to believe in this economy and be able to invest in businesses in this economy in order to go from being a saver to an investor. And that is foundational right out of the gate. Because there are very few ways to accumulate and build wealth that can protect your purchasing power than equity investing. The second part of this is that this group of investors understands participation rather than perfection, meaning that a happy retiree investor understands that they're never going to perfectly time markets and always invest money when markets are low and always sell when markets are high. That's impossible to do perfectly over time, over and over again. The key, though, is not about the perfect timing of investments, but just the methodical time of those investments, meaning participation over 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years is the powerful force of accumulating wealth, hence protecting your purchasing power, rather than being a perfectly timed investor. And then finally, there is great power this group finds in income type investing. Now, full disclosure, this is my philosophy around investing, but I've seen it help happy retirees time and time again. And that is thinking about your investments and what they will create for you in cash flow in the form of dividends, in the form of interest, in the form of distributions, because all of those cash flows, whether it's just a dividend quarterly from one stock or one ETF or one mutual fund or one bond or one real estate investment trust or one private investment, some sort of distribution and interest and dis the accumulation of all those tributaries, the tributary of dividends, the tributary of interest, the tributary of distributions, they all add up to one larger stream or river of income that can be very powerful, both practically for you to use and emotionally as you have this sense of money is flowing and has this life to it rather than just having a reservoir that you're always worried that could dry up. The world, as we all know, has changed so much and your financial situation has likely changed too. How you adapt to that change has a massive effect on your future. Maybe your mom or dad's health has declined. Maybe you recently had a baby or got a divorce or inherited some unexpected money and you aren't sure how to invest it. Maybe you're one of the three million people who reportedly retired early due to the pandemic. Or perhaps you didn't retire, but your company decided to softly push you out the door. It's happened so much at some of America's biggest companies, they've even come up with a new word for it, surplusing. As in there's a surplus of humans and you're one of them. As if downsizing wasn't bad enough. And if you're facing that change, should you take pension payments monthly or a lump sum, a rollover IRA or something else? You may also be stuck in a static portfolio with the outdated 60-40 stock bond ratio that assumed interest rates and inflation would never go up. We are in the middle of the largest financial shift that we have seen in more than 40 years. Tectonic plates are shifting. 
We've moved from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to higher interest rates. If you have questions about how to adapt to that or adjust to all these changes, just give us a call. Or better yet, find us at yourwealth.com. You can meet with a real live person in Atlanta or Tampa or Denver or Phoenix, or we can just do it over Zoom. I just had a great meeting with some wonderful folks from Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. If we can get to know each other over Zoom, so can you and I. So reach out to our team at Capital Investment Advisors, the website yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R, wealth.com. Number five on the list, money habits of the happiest retirees, spending. Well, there's no guilt in the happy retiree spending patterns because they just simply follow the 4% plus rule. Doesn't matter if you're buying lattes or even BMWs. Well, maybe BMWs does matter because happy retirees don't drive BMWs. But it doesn't matter what you're spending money on, whether it's cars or horses or vacations or trips or anything under the sun, as long as it falls within that 4% plus rule, which is meant to maximize what you can take from your investments while also not running out of money and protecting yourself against inflation. The 4% plus rule, very simply, is start with your original balance in retirement assets at the beginning of retirement. Take anywhere from 4 to 4.5% of that number. Let's call it 4.5% is $45,000 if, if there's a million in savings. And then ratchet that up for inflation every single year all throughout retirement. So it's not 4% or 4.5% of each year. It's 4 to 4.5%. And that's your range or guide of year one, ratcheted up each year for inflation. That gives us a very high probability. It's not a guarantee, but very high probability that money doesn't run out for at least 30 years. And in many cases, 40, 50, and in perpetuity. It's important to understand it's a, it is a wonderful rule of thumb because it's meant to be a guidepost to be followed. Some years it can be a little more or a little less depending on the market environment and depending on your spending needs. But if that is your long-term guide, this 4 to 4.5% range, knowing that it could also be adjusted, it gives you a very high probability that we don't run out of money. We also have to make sure we're invested at least 50% in equities. The range over time, and again, this is both mathematically looked at and historically looked at going back to the 1920s. What if you retired in this month and then this month, each year, each month for the last 100 years, what are our probabilities as long as we have between 50% and 70% in stocks, the other percentage of bonds, that we don't run out? And that we rebalance that portfolio systematically each year. So we're always in that range, at least 50% in equities. But no more than 70% in equities is the way the study works. 4% was the original number from William Bengen. He then came out later and upped it to 4.5%. Still gives you a very high probability of not running out of money using 4.5% as your starting number. Then ratcheting that each year for inflation. If you're using small caps as well. His original study only looked at large caps and then bonds. His 
updated study, let's call it the 4% plus rule, was both large cap and small cap and bonds as well. The key here is to have a percentage in equity-based investments that can help you ratchet your spending as inflation moves higher because your portfolio invested in equities that are typically very efficient in passing through inflation does well even in an inflationary environment. And that is protecting your purchasing power so that the happy retiree is not worried about what they're spending their money on as long as they're using that rule. As long as they're using this very powerful rule on spending and budgeting. So that's our five core financial habits. Yes, I've done research on 30 plus habits over the years. If I really were forced to boil this down to five and they're just the financial ones, that's what we just went over today. Minimum $500,000, really one minimum of $500,000 in liquid retirement savings, multiple streams of income, mortgage payoff within sight, be a tomorrow investor, and then understand the 4% plus rule when it comes to spending. You put all that together and it really creates a very formidable financial foundation that sets us up so well for the next iteration in our next episode, the five life habits of happy retirees. This is the financial foundation that will pay for all of this and pay for all of these areas within life in our next phase, whether you call it semi-retirement, the retirement gray zone, or just full retirement or full early retirement. Our next episode will dive into the areas of core pursuits and family habits, love life, social, faith, maybe even a little bit around what we put in our bodies, food and drink. Hey y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.